Thank you so much, everyone. Happy July 4th. Come on now. So glad that we got set free by our forefathers and mothers from the British. <laughs> uh, no longer subjects to Her Majesty or His Majesty, uh, the Queen of England or the King of England, but we're, we're free. And we don't take that for granted, and I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for all those that laid down their lives for us. And we're not a perfect union, we're not a perfect country, but uh, I've, been, I've had the privilege of being to uh, 80 or so nations in the world, and America is a very, very blessed nation. I'm so thankful to be a citizen of this nation, and I'm so thankful to you, Lord, for that. And as I was uh, meditating, preparing this week for this message, um, I, I began to start thinking about, well, obviously I knew it was the 4th of July, and, and as I was meditating uh, Independence Day, all of a sudden a thought that I've never had in my 53 years of life alighted upon my heart. And I realized, wow, we so often, all of us, miss the whole point of Independence Day. The Holy Spirit said to me, it's in dependence. Oh, I know. I was like, wow, come on, Holy Spirit. You know, and even in our nation, I mean, it, it, how, much, how much more, if that's true in our nation, how much more is it true? Because we are in dependence on Jesus, right? Our full dependency is on Jesus and uh, that's why we're independent. We're independent of the devil's kingdom because we're in dependency of Jesus. Come on. And uh, it's not just that we've been saved from, we've been saved to Jesus. And, um, and you know, but it's also true of us as a nation when you, when you start to think about it. Um, you know, we, on, on July 4th, we're so aware that, you know, that the armies of of the United States, what became the United States of America, uh, won the battle of independence from Great Britain, and we all celebrate that. But I just think that it's an even greater reason for celebration that we are independence of one another. We're in dependence of one another. And so from now on, Independence Day for me is going to have a new meaning. Because when you think about our democracy, we are actually dependent upon one another, aren't we? And uh, it's not so much now that we're set free from Britain. It's the joy of being a, de a democracy together. And, uh, but anyway, I want to preach on the kingdom of heaven. And uh, the title of my message this morning is, Don't Watch the Show. Don't watch the show. It's so easy in our lives, in the church, that we begin to watch the show. And, uh, and I want to share this morning that there's something better than watching the show, and that's discovering we are the show. Together, we are the show. And of course, Jesus is the true show on the inside of us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So, I'm going to start 
with something that was sent to me this week by a wonderful friend of mine, and I want to share it with you. In fact, I felt that it was confirmation, actually, of the message that the Lord wanted me to share this morning, and this came to me on Friday morning, right after, I read it Friday afternoon, right after I'd been spending uh, some considerable time with the Lord for this message. This pastor decided to skip church one Sunday morning and go play golf. He told his assistant that he wasn't feeling well. He drove to a golf course in another city so that nobody would know him. He teed off the first hole. A huge gust of wind caught his ball and carried it an extra 100 yards and then dropped it right in the hole for a 450-yard hole. An angel looked at God and said, what did you do that for? And God smiled and said, who's he going to tell? <laughs> There's a lot of reasons why it's really good to gather as the people of God because we're the supernatural body of Christ. We're the supernatural bride of Christ. And uh, I want you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We're going to read some scripture that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote. And, you know, he wrote to one of his favorite churches. This church was started by him. He arrived in Ephesus. He bumped into a, a very small group of of believers in Jesus, but they'd only been baptized in water for the forgiveness of their sins. And he said to them, have you guys received the Holy Spirit? And they said, the Holy who? And he said, the Holy Spirit. And uh, they said, no. And, and so he laid his hands on them. Uh, it's right in Luke, uh, sorry, uh, Acts 19, written by Dr. Luke, right in Acts 19. He laid his hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, the amazing thing is that God took those, uh, and, it, and it says, by the way, there was 12 men in all, just 12 people. And uh, the, the passage goes on to say that God did such extraordinary miracles through the Apostle Paul that even handkerchiefs and napkins that he'd been using to wipe his forehead, you know, while he was making uh, tents, it's extremely hot in Ephesus, and uh, while he was making those working hard, he's wiping the sweat and he's throwing the rag down, and people were coming and sneaking up and grabbing those rags and taking what were everyone looked at, would have looked at and thought just an, a, 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 a sweat filled rag but to them that rag carried the glory of God and they took those rags and they laid them on their sick relatives and they were all totally healed God did such amazing miracles can you imagine the anointing in your life of what it would look like if the anointing in your life was so strong that your laundry was was at risk of being stolen Now, someone comes up to you and says, hey, can I have that shirt? And it's got absolutely nothing to do with how schnaz it is and how fresh you're looking. And everything to do with the fact that they can see the glory of God in your life so strongly that they want your shirt because they're convinced that if your shirt is that close to your body that's so full of God, your shirt is carrying God. 
Mm. Whoa. If you like this shirt, come up and see me. No, I'm only <laughs> let's, let's start in, in verse 8. To me, oh, this is Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8. Oh, by the way, before I get into it, just to say one more thing is that those 12 people and the Apostle Paul, within two years, turned the entire city of Ephesus one of the capital cities in the Roman Empire that was one of the most pagan cities full of witchcraft, a center of witchcraft and occult in the entire known world. And in one generation, those 12 people filled with the Holy Spirit, plus the Apostle Paul, in a two-year period, turned the entire city so upside down that there were gigantic riots in the city and Millions of dollars worth of witchcraft manuscripts were burned forever and lost from the knowledge of the human population. I mean, it was that epic what the Apostle Paul and the church were able to achieve. And uh, Paul handed the church over after two years. Uh, he handed it over to them as the leaders and eventually he assigned his son in Christ Jesus, Timothy, to be the leader of that church. And they reckoned that by the time uh, Paul's writing this letter towards the end of his life while he's in chains in Rome, uh, the church in Ephesus was 40,000 members. <laughs> Ah, that's what 12 people full of the Holy Spirit can do. Abba. Mm. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which, has, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. When is now? Now? Now. I want you to notice, okay, that it's not, it's not the democracy of a nation. It's not technology. It's not the wealth of a nation. It's not uh, the health of a nation, you know, the, 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 the medical health of a nation. It's the church that God wants to, to put on display his manifold wisdom to shake a nation, to show a nation what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Paul says it right here. He's chosen the church to be the manifestation of Jesus on the earth. Mm. That's why I started the title with don't watch the show. We are the show. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore I ask you that you don't lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, everybody say family, in heaven and earth is named. And that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the innermost being, or the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith 
that you, all of you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Whoa! Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all loneliness. Lowliness, not loneliness, sorry, that came out slightly, you know, a bit iffy there. With all loneliness, I nearly did it again. Help him, Lord. With all lowliness, that's humility and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. And one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all y'all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And to women. Now, this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? And what a beautiful time of worship that was. Thank you so much, Aaron and Linda and Isaac and all the band leading us so beautifully. And I loved how you just, you just were so centered on the revelation of his love to us that he would leave his throne. And become a human being like us. Infinite God become a finite man and live for 33 years so that he could die on the cross and pay the just penalty that we all deserve. He did it for us. And then he died for us, as us, with us, took us to death, paid the price of sin and death so that we could enter into the fullness of eternal life with him because when the Father raised Jesus from the dead, he raised us from the dead with him. And the way, Aaron, you just led us to just, and, 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 and Linda, to be in a place of extraordinary love back and gratitude back was just so epic. Oh, it just so touched my heart. It's exactly what Paul's saying right here. Well done. Good job. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, so that they could all have a title on their doors. So that they could have a car parking space or a donkey parking space. No, no, evidently not at all. No, no, so that they could have a little title underneath the bottom of their email in the signature box. Great Apostle. No, no, not, no, actually not. No, no, no. No, it's for the equipping of the saints. For the work of ministry. It's work. It's, sometimes it's hard work. It's not, a, not at all about being aloof. It's not at all about being unapproachable. Oh, don't, don't get too near me, you might touch my anointing. Well, wow, if your anointing's that delicate, you perhaps ought, you know. I'm not going to go there. 
for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body. Ooh! for the edification of itself in love. Oh, wow. I want to touch on four points this morning for why. Why do we gather? Why can we not just live the Christian life, live a Godward life pleasing to Jesus by just being on our own, minding our own business, and not, not in any way participating in any gatherings as the church. Well, number one, reason why we gather together, and I really want to talk about, this is applicable to the universal church, but, it's, but I really want to speak to you from my heart this morning with regards to Catch the Fire, because this is the church that I have the joy of being part of. And I'm so grateful that I'm a member, a joint. Now, that's not a spliff, okay? Golly, the first service laughed like crazy at that joke. You will just look at me like, what? Um, yes, we're all a joint. That's what Paul just said. We're all a joint, jointed together, knitted together, and... And so I love being part of this body, and I too am a joint. And you know, in, a joint is what gives the body mobility. It's the fact that we are jointed, that we have multiple joints in our body, multiple joints in our spine, allows us movement, multiple jo joints in our legs and arms, so that we're not just a, a, one big rod trying to bounce like a kangaroo, you know, which... We wouldn't even be able to bounce particularly high. But we're not a pogo stick. We're a body full of joints. Why? Because God has designed us to be on the move. To be always moving. And we're not moving. We don't go to church, everybody. We are the church. We don't gather to go to church. We gather because we are the church. And in all of our going... It's not even so much that we're going to heaven. Because yes, we are going to heaven, but actually we're already seated in heaven right now. We're seated in heavenly places right now. There, this gathering right now is actually a gathering that's in the heavens. This is the earthly expression. But if you could really see who you are and who I am, you'd see we are shimmering, dazzling light sitting in the council of God, in the heavenly places, seated on our thrones with Jesus on His throne. 
And we are the co-rulers with him of the kingdom. You are glorious. You're so glorious because Jesus has made you glorious. The Father wants you on display. He wants to show you off constantly. And every time we gather, he gets to really, really show us off. And uh, I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about this, and I realized that, excuse me, I was just, my mouth was going dry for a second. I realized that, uh, you know, the father is the father. And, he, and, and all of us as dads in this room, all of us that are, have the joy of being dads, you'll know that spending time alone with your individual children is epic. It's phenomenal. I love it. But even though as excellent as each of them are, and being alone with each of them is so special, it, it's nowhere near as special for me as dad, as daddy, as when all three of my kids are with me. That's the best. And now, because they're all married, <laughs> I mean, now that they're all married, it's even better I get to share the reality that I now have three, Kate and I now have three amazing, strapping, awesome, anointed sons. And our girls, by the grace of God, they married well. Not as well as their husbands married, but they married well. <laughs> and so, when the family are gathered, oh my goodness, my dad's heart is like, ah! that sounded wrong, that, anyway, I just was like, whoa, my heart is just enormous, I feel like it's going to explode with love. Because look, there's my whole family together. And that's exactly how it is for Daddy God. Point number one, we gather for God. Point number one, we gather for God. It's for God that you and I join together meeting with other believers. And we meet together with other believers in a number of different uh, ways, but I want to draw on three distinct ways that we as Catch the Fire join together. Number, the first one is we join together, we invite you and, uh, and, and joyfully hope that you will gather together in a connect group, that you'll be part of a connect group where you can be in one of those groups that starts with two or three. And grows and maybe becomes 10, maybe becomes 20, maybe even becomes 30 or 40. Because there's so much community, communion and community where when you're in a group of people that's small enough for people to know you well and small enough for you to know them well. If, you, if your experience of being part of Catch the Fire is, is Sunday mornings only, then there's not enough time on a Sunday morning really to get to know the people that are also members of the church family that God has seen fit to put you part of. But when you go to somebody's home or you meet in a cafe or wherever it is that your connect group that you choose to join with, where they meet, there is a higher degree of relational equity that's possible in that setting. 
Not only that, it's not just about relationship. Because God is all about relationship, but he's a supernatural relationship God. He's a God who's supernatural. And so when, you, when we meet together, Jesus says in Matthew 18, 20, he says, where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am also with you in the midst. See, in our world, we tend to look at numbers of people gathered and we think the bigger the better, correct? No, not in the true realm of of where it really counts, in the kingdom of heaven. It's not a matter of how many earthlings there are. No, No, it doesn't matter how many humans there are. Because in every gathering, there's already a majority because the only one who counts is there. You are my champion. I mean, what a song they chose. And that's, that's the whole point. Why do we gather? So that we're with the champion. Together. Mm. And he says, he doesn't, he doesn't make the promise. He could have said it. He could have said, as long as you're on your own, you got me. He could have said that, because that's true. But he wanted to help us to experience that there's something even better than me and Jesus. It's us and Jesus. In fact, I've... The Holy Spirit spoke to me sometime last year and he said, for every encounter that I give you, you've only got 50% while it stops with you. The other 50% of that encounter is when you give it away to everyone else. Isn't that amazing? So every time we get touched by God, even if we get touched by God in the secret place, we're actually, the moment we get up off that floor, totally changed, we're still only at the 50% mark. The other 50% of the joy of that encounter, that actual encounter, comes when we give that encounter away. Oh, come on. Oh, man. Whoa. Mm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So the first reason why we assemble together and gather together, whether it's in the small expression of gathering, like a connect group, or whether it's in a medium gathering, which is like Sunday mornings, you know, 40 to 1,000 people. Right now, there's about 400 people gathering uh, as a, you know, over the two services. Just prior to COVID, we were about 750 to 800 And so you can see there's a lot of people that are not gathering still in this church family. And people are coming back and it's great seeing people coming back to the in-person meetings because there's something about an in-person meeting that you just cannot experience watching online. And you know the biggest thing that you can't experience, which is the biggest joy of all, and that is serving each other. When I was a kid, we used to call church a service and then someone came along once and said no 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 don't call it a service it's not a service it's a meeting because you know God's not into servants 
So for years and years, I, don't judge that person. They, they, they meant well. For years and years, I practiced calling it a meeting. But just lately, the Holy Spirit's like, I'm okay with you calling it a service, Duncan, because actually that's exactly what it is. Because when you gather, you gather, one, to serve me, two, to serve each other, and three, to serve your city, and four, to serve the world. It's a service. Oh, that's good. Okay. Shakaraba. And number, and number three expression of our gatherings... And our, the first category we're talking about is this, we're assembling before God for God. Okay, Number three reason, or, or sorry, number three expression of the number one reason we gather, which is that we gather for God, is big gatherings. I'm talking about once or twice a year when we as a church gather and we invite people to come if they'd like to to gather from all over the United States and even all over the world. And, and, and those of you that are watching online and everybody in this room, in October 21 to 24, we're having one of those big gatherings. We call it a conference. And the amazing thing for, for us is that we've, uh, for me, I should say, just an observation that I'm making, not a judgment, just an observation, is that I've observed over the 13 years that we've been here in Raleigh, and I observed it in Toronto the same, is that the astonishing to me, thing to me is that very often the actual church family are not the ones who show up for a conference. And I'm sitting there going, where is everybody? Man, and we're hosting 800 1,200 people, and they've flown in from all over America, and people who are just down the road who are going to be there on Sunday, they don't bother coming. And I'm like, what? So, folks, let me just say this, okay? This October 21 to 24, get that in your diary, your calendar, your schedule, prioritize it, and come, because it only happens once a year. Did I mention once a year? Did I... <laughs> If you miss it, you might have to wait a whole year. So, now the reason I'm saying that is because I want you to understand, for you and I's sakes, we don't want to miss it. You know, we have a, a dear friend, all of us, uh, in this ministry of Catch the Fire called Heidi Baker. How many of you have ever heard of Heidi Baker and her husband, Roland? Many of you are in the room and watching online, you know who I mean when I say Heidi Baker. And for those of you who don't know, the Lord has used Heidi and her husband, Roland, to literally shake the nations. They have planted thousands of churches. They have, uh, they have provided families uh, and homes for tens of thousands of children who didn't have mums and dads. And they have just had the most amazing ministry that's just exploded all over the world in the last close to 30 years. But Heidi told me personally, eight out of 10 of her most powerful encounters that she's ever had with Jesus have been at Catch the Fire Toronto in the midst of a conference that the church in Toronto were hosting in the midst of revival. Now just think about that for just a moment. Those of you who know Heidi really well, you'll know that she's one of the most devout, most uh, epic lovers of Jesus and spends hours a day in the presence of Jesus in her walk with the Lord daily. And yet she 
says, despite that, eight out of 10 of my number one encounters with Jesus that have resulted in him telling me things that have turned my life upside down and I've ended up planting thousands of churches and feeding thousands of children, feeding thousands of people in, uh, in abject poverty, lifting them out of poverty and giving them purpose and destiny, Eight out of ten of those encounters happened to me in a conference in Toronto. Just, if she'd missed those conferences, she wouldn't have had those encounters. There's something about gathering everybody, and, and when it's a big gathering, that gives God, I don't know if it gives him goosebumps or what, but he gets excited. You can see it at the early church. 3,000 people gathered and were saved on the day of Pentecost. Right? It's not just, you know, people are like, oh, no, you know what? It needs to be all about the small group. Others are like, oh, no, it all needs to be about, you know, Friday night or Sunday morning gathering together at the local church. Why do we need conferences? We need conferences because God wants us to gather in holy convocation. He wants us to gather. For Israel, it was gathering the nations at the feast several times a year. For us in the new covenant, every time we gather in a big group, we gather before Jesus, for Jesus, kaboom. He drops on us with his glory. And it is going to be no different in October. It's going to be a very glorious, glorious time. So please understand that Local church life is about being part of a connect group. It's, being, it's about being part of a, a weekly meeting, like a Sunday morning or a Friday night or whenever it might be that you meet. It's about having those monthly worship nights. And it's also about gathering once, twice, three, four times a year in a conference. But all of it is for Jesus. It's for Jesus first. Secondly, it's for the city. It's for the city. Why do we gather? We gather for the sake of the city. Why? Because this city is changed every single Sunday when we worship. You know, I forget that so often. I'm there, I'm worshiping. I forget how epic my worship is in the eyes of God. How many of you... You know what I'm talking about. You just forget. You just, you know, you're there, you're singing, you know. Before you know it, you're kind of distracted. And, you know, and then you're like, oh, should I go and dance or not? Wow, I don't know. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm a little, you know, I'm not a dancer, you know. Oh, I don't know. Should I put my hands up? Wow, what if my friends see me? Wow, I don't know. Should I put, I don't know. Oh, gosh, I'll just give a little cup, you know, maybe a little cup. Give a little cup, you know. And we're just, if we're not careful, we lose sight of Jesus and we lose sight of the fact that he's enthroned on the praises of his people. We lose sight of the fact that we're actually the legislative authority on the earth in Raleigh, Durham. We forget that we're put, being put on display and here we are fussing up about whether or not should I, should I dance, should I sit, should I stand, should I cry, what I should. And it's not about us. It's actually us ruling with Jesus and shifting the atmosphere of not just our city, but even other churches. 
because of our worship, because God loves it so much. He loves it when you take your eyes off yourself, you take your eyes off his people, you take your eyes off the world, and you just give him your undivided attention with everybody else doing the same. He just loves it. And there's something special about doing that with people that are seriously talented musicians. It takes everything to a whole nother level. You know, you, you can do that at home. You can worship with, you know, Apple Music playing or Spotify or whatever it is that you're part of, tribal or something, right? But it's a little bit like, you know, even in the world, there's a difference between studio and live. And there's something about joint, making the effort, you know, um, I got a confession to make everybody. Uh, for my entire life, I've dreaded church. And uh, I, 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 in 2019, I had some trauma counseling. Um, and it was because I realized when I was a little kid uh, at boarding school, we had to go to church. And I was a little kid at this high. I've been six years old looking up at kids that were 18 years old, and it just terrified me being in church. And ever since then, I've had this trauma deep down on the inside that I, I needed help with. I needed professional help, trauma counseling. I know it doesn't sound very dramatic, you know, and I, I just want to say that I'm not saying this to say it's dramatic because there have been some people in this room that have had some terrible, dramatic things done for them. I'm saying that done to them. I'm saying that this was an area of trauma in my heart that I didn't realize was there. I just thought it was normal to dread church every Sunday morning. And it wasn't until 2019 that I realized that probably isn't right for someone who's a pastor. And so, you know, chatting with my pastor, John and Carol, they, they told me, it would be good for you to go and just have some trauma counseling on that. And the Holy Spirit showed me and all the rest of it, and I got set free. And now I'm so thrilled to let you know that I get super excited all week thinking about being together on Sunday. I'm really excited about that, you know. I got set free through trauma counseling. So now I love the church. But I think one of the things, and this is why Paul said in you know, that, that scripture that we read where he talked about that, um, I'm just trying to find it, where he says, uh, there we go. He says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. I think the reason why he says that right there is because there's nowhere that's more testing of your love than the church. Have you noticed that? Because people like me with all my issues show up next to you. And you have to sit there and you get to know me with all my warts and all my issues in life. And the worst thing about it is I should know better, right? Especially our leaders. But even then, each other, I mean, we look at each other and we're like, you should... Oh my gosh, I can't believe that person said or did that. And they should know better. They're a Christian. And there's something remarkably difficult about loving people really well that you think should know better 
than the bad behavior they're exhibiting every Sunday or every week. And so I find, I don't know about you, but I find that when I'm, you know, in a small group like a connect group or a Sunday or even in a conference, whatever, I find it challenging to be among human beings. And by the way, if you're looking for a perfect church, whatever you do, please don't join it. You'll ruin it. I mean... That's the whole point, everybody. There's nowhere that you get to experience true love more than the church. You see, in your family, you chose them all. Among your friend circles, you chose them all. In your job, you chose that job. You said yes to it. Or your colleagues. Where are you going to... Even the pub, the bar, the restaurant, you chose it. You chose those people. The church... You haven't chosen anybody that sits next to you. Not one of them. That's why I feel like it's the most beautiful place for us to discover the real deal with regards to love. Where we get to actually see ourselves the way others in the world see us, but no one has the courage to speak the truth in love to us. But here in the church, we can do that because of the love. Because of love. Kate, because she loves me, she says to me, honey, I've noticed such and such and so and so. And can I suggest that rather than such and such and so and so, you allow the Holy Spirit to help you in that area so that I can, so that the world around you, including me, can actually enjoy love through you. And she's so close to me that she can say that tenderly and in love to me. And I listen to it. Why? Because I know it's coming from a heart of love. I think we confuse love and belonging. And so we run to go and hang out with people that look like us, sound like us, share all of our views and never say anything to upset us because we feel like we belong there because they're accepting of us and we mistake acceptance with love. You see, because when we are in a group of people that accept us because we're just like them, that's merely acceptance and not actual true belonging in love. But when we're with people, okay, that actually could even be our enemies, and we choose to position ourselves with them, with people who look different to us, who think differently to us, and we actually go all out to serve them, even in the midst of them rejecting us, now we begin to get a glimpse of what true love looks like, what true belonging actually is in the family of God, where we get to be loved and love with people that don't remotely look like us. And I don't think there's anywhere quite like the church to be with a bunch of people that don't look like us. I mean, how many of you have as many accents as this church have? Okay, come on. Number three, we gather together for the flow of the Word and the Spirit. To listen to each other, give a test, to, to share testimony. We gather to hear each other's story. We gather to celebrate each other's story and each other's victories in life. And... Uh, 
And number four, you know, we gather together to dis- and in gathering together, we end up discovering as we lay our lives down for each other, we discover our destinies in God. We discover our callings in God. And not only that, but because we're not alone, but we are in a family gathered together, now there's the opportunity for people that are actually apostles or um, prophets or evangelists or teachers or pastors, people that can help us grow in areas that we otherwise would never grow in if we were on our own. But as a corporate family, we get to grow up in maturity together as we lay our lives down. And we begin to start to live for something that's just so bigger than me and my destiny. And we get to be on a family on mission together to our city and ultimately to the nations. Let's stand, everybody. I want to encourage you. Don't watch the show. Don't watch the show. God's created you for something so much better than being a spectator of what everybody else does. I want to encourage you, make a decision in your heart. You know what? It doesn't have to be this church. It can be whatever church the Holy Spirit wants you to join. But please, 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 whatever church you join, don't be a spectator of the show that that church is. And even worse, don't sit on the wrong kind of judgment throne about what you're watching. But I want to encourage you to be like Jesus and give up your throne. Give up watching from heaven. He watched from heaven for 4,000 years, watching, 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 waiting. And then he unrobed himself of his majesty. He stepped off of his throne and he became a human like us. And he is a man in a body like ours, upgraded, yes, to his glorious body. But nevertheless, God is now forever human. God, the Son of God, is forever what it truly means to be human. And it came through service. It came through giving up his rights. It came through laying his life down for his enemies. It came, for, it came through love. I want to encourage you to gather as regularly as you can. Join a connect group. Is it going to be inconvenient? Yes! Always yes. If it's not inconvenient, I doubt it's love. There's something about the inconvenience of love that authenticates that that's actually love. Don't give up on the ones that love you because the quality of their love is not what you expect you're worthy of.
Let the Holy Spirit fill you with his love and be the love that only he can be through you. All it takes is just a yes, Lord. I'm going to make these feet walk and I'm going to get there to that gathering. Whether it's a small gathering where you're there, whether it's a medium gathering whether you're there, where, where you're there or whether it's a big conference where you're there or whether it's showing up in the margins of life getting to work a little bit earlier just so that God can come and fill that margin with himself. And you can meet somebody that you would never have met if you'd arrived on time, but you met because you got there early. Or going to the supermarket with the intentionality of not just shopping for all that you need, but going to that supermarket with the intentionality of just spending just a tiny bit longer in the aisles. Is there anybody, Lord, that you want to love? And being at work and being in business, not just to make money, which is important, not just to create value, which is important, but to be there for the sake of love. To be inconvenienced for love. To be a landlord that inconveniences themselves to fix whatever needs fixing so that the tenants can be loved. Or to be a tenant to pay your rent on time for the sake of love. And just hold your hands up to the Lord. Folks, this is supernatural. We can't do this on our own. That's why the Holy Spirit, the first thing that happened in the church was that the church got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, they couldn't stop gathering together. Just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Spirit of love, fill me. Spirit of love, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me with love. Fill me so that I love the unlovely. Fill me so that I choose friends that I don't always feel comfortable with. Fill me, Lord. Fill me so that I can walk a road of inconvenience. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and baptize every single one of us with the corporate anointing of heaven. So that earth is as heaven through us. Lord, I ask that every, all week, every meeting that we are in, whether it's small groups, connect groups, Sunday mornings, conferences, I'm asking you that you would upgrade us with your presence and power and very person so dramatically that we do extraordinary miracles that extraordinary encounters happen through us. Yes, so that we learn to serve one another and lay our lives down for each other. Yes. That you prepare us for heaven. Yes. 